Hi and welcome to episode 93 of the This Is Repertage podcast. My name is Alan Law, I am the founder of This Repertage and This Repertage family, and I'm a photographer too. It was really lovely to talk to the brilliant Laura Beth Davidson for the podcast this week. Based in the USA, Laura Beth was in our top 100 photographers worldwide on this reportage family for 2020, and she shares so much on the episode today, including the importance of documenting a family's environment as well as the people, Harry Potter voice impressions, advice for if you're just starting out as a documentary family photographer, talking us through a typical family shoot, the story behind one of her very powerful and emotive family story awards concerning her daughter, Alice, writing Instagram captions, ordering at Starbucks, and so much more. Before we get on to Laura Beth, just a quick note to say there's now only a few days left to submit to our final award collections of 2021. The deadline is the same for both our wedding site and our family site. Submit by 2359 GMT on 23rd of November 2021. Right, over to Laura Beth. Hey, Laura Beth, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Yes, I am all good. Thank you. All good. Um, it's been actually awful. I always begin with the weather. I don't know why. Maybe it's a very British thing to do, but <laughs> it's been awful today in Cornwall. Torrential rain. How about um, for you? Because you're in America, aren't you? Yes, in Virginia, um, in the central part of Virginia on the East Coast. And it has actually been beautiful this week. It is oh. finally feeling like fall and we've had lots of sunshine, but it's not gotten too hot. And the humidity oh, okay. has gone, that sounds nice. What kind of temperatures do you get this time of year then? It, this is sort of one of the weeks that's strange because as we transition, it's when my kids are getting on the bus, it's about 40 or 45 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know what that is, Celsius. Oh, yeah, um, I'm awful. No, I don't know what that I, is. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold. It's about 10 uh, degrees above freezing. Um, okay, cool. And then, but then by the time they get home in the afternoon, it's in the 70s. So it's, you know, they, oh, wow. they start out needing a, a, a jacket and long pants and then they're burning up by the time they're getting off the bus oh the that's a funny time then yeah that's funny yeah. sounds nice though i mean it's, it's it is it's, nice yeah it's getting colder and colder here i need to visit other places in america i know people are probably sick of me uh saying this but i've been to america like six times but only to las vegas i've never been anywhere else <laughs> yeah I've, I've never been to las vegas my husband has been but i've never been oh you don't fancy don't fancy the idea of it or well i mean i just have uh have not gotten the opportunity. I'm not sure I would really care about the casinos, but I know that the just the land out there is beautiful. So it is beautiful. Yeah, my I I say just if you you maybe not fancy the idea because my wife just hates the idea of Vegas. I've said, well, you come with me, but she just doesn't right. doesn't fancy it at all, which I I understand. Um, but yeah, it is beautiful out there as well. The views from Vegas, um, natural views, and we we got a helicopter and landed in the Grand Canyon, and that was that was amazing. Mm. Yeah. Have How long ever, does that take you to fly? Uh, the helicopter, really, only about, I think it's about 30 minutes or 40 minutes, not okay. long. Mm, it was yeah, it was really experienced, that was. Have you been yeah. to the Grand Canyon? I have not, no. Um, all those those national parks out west are sort of on my list, but who knows How? when we get to travel again. <laughs> Hopefully oh, I know, that long. is the thing. That is the thing, isn't it? How far, I'm awful sorry with my geography and I don't really know where Virginia is. How far away is that then from Vegas? Oh, goodness. I it would probably be three or four hour flight. It's pretty oh, wow. far because we're, um, we're only a few hours, three and a half, four hours from the Atlantic coast. So uh, we'd have to fly um, all the uh, way across to the... Um, I think it's about four hours flight to California if you take a direct flight. So it, right. it would be a little short of that, I guess. Wow, that's like me going to some places in Europe, like Greece or something from here. Right. So yeah, that's okay. You are far away. You are. Far <laughs> away. Have you um, have you ever been over to England at all? I have. Um, my husband and I went to Paris in 2010. Um, just before we had kids, sort of, we knew we wanted to start a family, but we wanted to take a trip to Paris before we had kids. So that was a lovely trip. We went in the spring. Oh, nice. Uh, 2010. And, um, and then I also, I did a trip in college. We went to Vienna and Prague for a, oh, wow. cool. I was in the school, um, choir and we did a tour. We sang in a few 
few places over there. So it was wow. in January. It was very cold. Oh yeah, I bet. But that must—I've never been to either of those um, places. That must have been. That's, that's quite a trip with with yes. a choir. Wow. Yes, it was. You, it was an adventure. Do you still sing now? Um, I do sing in our church choir, but oh, nice. that's just sort of a, a fun hobby. It's me and lots of old ladies. <laughs> oh, that sounds nice though. It's but great it's to do fun. things. It like is. That. It's it's some nice adult interaction when I've been with my kids all week to to get to go and be with other adults and do something that's that's totally different from anything else I do. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I totally get that. That need to to be with some adult company as well as right. uh fabulous children but yeah we need that um so uh laura beth let's let's go back to the beginning um for you you know so well in, in your photography journey you know how did you become a photographer well um actually for that trip to paris that i mentioned before that i bought a i talked to my husband into buying a canon rebel i didn't oh, yeah. have a clue how to use it um, but i thought oh i'm going to take this and i'm going to make fantastic photographs of Paris and then it came in the mail and I hardly could even turn it on and it was so intimidating that I ended up just leaving it at home I didn't even take it on the trip <laughs> okay. but I had it so then my daughter was born um, about a year later and when she was close to a year old I was reading lots of mommy blogs and uh, read one in particular where the author had taken some classes with click and moms and I looked into that and thought that that looks like a fun hobby and a way that I could get some pictures of my daughter without paying somebody else to do it because I was mm. cheap. Right? <laughs> well, that makes sense though. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, so I figured out how to use that camera. I started with a class that taught you how to, you know, do everything from turning it on to, to shooting it in manual. And I was hooked from that first four week class. And I've taken tons of classes since then and just really never stopped um so we're going on close to 10 years now of, oh, wow, of cool. being a photographer and um so yeah i was hooked from the very beginning but i at first i i had no interest in taking clients because i'm extremely introverted and very non-confrontational so the idea of posing people and telling people what to do and where to stand was just made me cringe. It's it, mm. even now talking about it, it still makes me cringe. Yeah, I understand. So um, that's sort of how I got into the documentary uh, genre. I do take clients now, but it's perfect because I don't, I literally tell them I will not tell you what to do. Yes. <laughs> um, I ignore me as much as possible. So it's, it's a perfect way to do what I love to do without having to have the social interaction that I don't like. Oh, I get that though. Yeah. And not having to pose people and not having to direct people. And exactly. I, I, I actually very similar for me. And that, that is one of the reasons that I, when I started my wedding photography, it was, it was really documentary because I just didn't want to do that. And that really scared me, that kind of posing. Obviously as well, the, the, you know it's so much more important i think to have those unposed moments um and Absolutely. for those reasons but it also just benefited the way i wanted to work and i just didn't yeah it would have been a lot scarier to be like that exactly um, I, I just i feel much more at ease when i it's kind of ironic because it seems like i'm letting go of all the control but it makes me feel more in control of what i'm good at doing which is you know composing the moment and and waiting for just the right expression or gesture or, you know, parallel movement or whatever it is that I'm looking for uh, to really tell the story the best way. So if I were constantly trying to think about placing people a certain way or, or having them, you know, their relationship to each other, or their arms going this way or that way, it would it would really throw me off, I think. So it's just totally a different way of, of photographing that um, I've found is, is the way that I like to do it. I totally agree with that 100% yeah and um, for me as well the my least favorite part of a wedding is the kind of couple time the portrait time because that's right. when I feel like I should be more in control even though I'm still not properly posing I just let, kind right. of let them be but it's that time is it where you're the photographer is supposed to have more responsibility of what's happening and I don't like that I want 
everything else to happen around me and I'm just kind of capturing it. Um, mm, yeah, interesting. So, and by the way, I just have to say, I don't normally talk about myself so much, but you started with a rebel. I did as well, actually. It was, it was, it was in Europe. It was called like a 500D or a 550D I had, which is like okay. a rebel two or something. So really similar. Yeah. Really similar. Fun. Yeah. So then when you decided that you really wanted to do this and you wanted a step of like getting clients, how did, how did you get your first clients? You know, was it kind of like, family friends and things or how did you it do was it, it mm. was um our we had good friends who lived across the street from us and they had two kids that are a little bit older than mine and she runs um like an exercise company she helps people to work out she trains people oh, so cool. she has a lot of connections within the community and then we my daughters were in a little music class called kinder music and we'd done it for years and the the teacher, the director of that program, obviously had a lot of connections with other young families in the area. So I went to those two moms and said, would you be my guinea pigs? Essentially, um, mm. I'd like to come follow you for a day and just photograph your families. And then I will put it together in a photo book. And all I ask of you is that you will just share it with people, leave it out on your, you know, on your coffee table and uh, yeah. let people look at it and then just you know, point them to me if, if they're interested in that. And it worked Great pretty idea. well. Um, it's certainly, when I look back on those pictures, obviously it was the first time that I, I did that for someone else other than my own kids. And it mm -hmm. was, you know, looking back on it now, obviously I see, oh, that wasn't really, that picture wasn't as great as it could have mm -hmm. been, or I wish mm -hmm. I'd stepped a little bit to the right, but you know, of course mm -hmm. you're always learning, but it was great experience with no real um, worry that, I was they were paying me lots of money and I was gonna totally flop so sure that that makes <laughs> so sense precious. yeah really good way of doing it and you were really proactive to go out and have that idea and, and do it and offer that I think that's really cool so um and then we moved that way we used to live in Tennessee when I was doing that so I sort of built up a little client base there but um then we moved to Virginia in summer of 2019 and had kind of just established ourselves gotten our kids in school and we're meeting some new people and then of course school shut down and everything stopped in march of 2020 mm. for us so my i've sort of been on hiatus because it's just been a strange time of moving here and not really knowing anyone and then not really having a chance to meet anyone uh, yeah through, you know kids activities and and school and social clubs those kinds of things so mm. um I've found now that um, our market is, I know that lots of markets are saturated with photographers, but for whatever reason, um, I just haven't had a whole lot of luck with our local market and finding families that are interested in, in the documentary type. Uh, okay. Well, are they more looking for like lifestyle or portraiture? And yes. Yes. Okay. Um, but... I had a friend from high school contact me. She's followed my work for a while and she lives a couple hours south of here in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is a bigger city. Um, there are lots of universities around there and she is a nurse anesthetist. Okay. And she, um, so she has some connections to some other people in the anesthesiology community who right. have a little bit more of a disposable income perhaps. And uh, yeah. um, so I've gotten uh, a couple of clients from her in that market, which is, I have family in that area and it's just a couple hours drive for me. Uh, so okay. I've actually started sort of focusing on the Raleigh, North Carolina area because it seems to be, I seem to be able to get a little bit more of a foothold in sort of finding families that appreciate this style and um, are willing to put up the investment for it. Because, you know, as you know, with the documentary session it's it's pretty con time consuming and mm -hmm. therefore sort of makes it a little bit more expensive than just a quick mini mini session um that some people choose to do so yeah um, sure so that's sort of where i'm where i am now and of course if if local people would ever like me to take their pictures i'm obviously not opposed to that but um yeah sure sure it's always that bad 
it's always that battle of kind of like lifting the prominence of documentary, isn't it, as well? And, and trying to exactly. show people this is so important. Look at these memories that you can have rather than these exactly. kind of posed things. It's always, yeah, and that was one of the reasons, you know, for starting this reportage family, just to try and help with that overall prominence of it as a as a total art. And it's something that is just so important. Um, so, yeah, I understand. Um, it must have been frustrating, though, when you recently moved and then just wanting to kind of, relocate your business like that for the the pandemic to come along as well um but but how how was 2020 for you in general were you was it okay or you know was it, it was, how were you personally for the most part it was it was really okay um thankfully i have a really good friend who lives not too far from uh, where we moved so and she has i have four girls that are 10 7 and then four-year-old or excuse me five-year-old twins i just turned five last week oh wow twins um, gosh yes and so my friend also has twins that are the age of my seven-year-old and then a daughter who is the age of my five-year-old twins ah, okay it's quite confusing there's lots of children between us lots <laughs> of twins um and my sister also moved to just a few minutes from me last summer um oh, that's nice. and she has twins also oh wow gosh it's really in your family <laughs> yeah so when the three families get together i mean it, it looks like we're have a field trip for like an <laughs> elementary school but it's really just you know um, wow. a couple of families getting together to go for picnics but it's nine children so and they're all you know between the ages of five and ten so it's it's amazing how how silly we look when we are, are all <laughs> somewhere together because there's so many twins. But um, so that sort of social aspect of it helped because I had people that I knew really well um, that we could still sort of be in our bubble. That's and, cool. uh, you know, we were still able to for our, our girls to have playmates and their school. My older two uh, were in public school and they were actually able to complete the entire 2020 2021 school year from fall of 2020 until um last spring they didn't have to miss a single day oh wow uh, physically in school then correct physically oh, wow. in person um there were lots of modifications that they made but their school did a very good job they had smaller class sizes and obviously they had right. to wear masks and they they just like they ate lunch in the classrooms they made lots of little changes that kept everyone safe and i was i was very impressed with how careful the school was. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Being able to maintain a pretty close to normal school year. So I, I realize that that's quite rare and we are, we consider ourselves very lucky that, that our girls had as close to a, a normal school year really as could be expected. Oh, that's great. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Wow. And you've got twins and your sister's got twins. Yes. So are you one of a twin yourself? I, I am not a twin. Yeah, um, okay. But there are lots of twins in our family. And wow. um, I always said that I thought that I just didn't get the twin gene because I had my two singles. And then my sister had her twins. And I thought, oh, well, she's she's the lucky one that got the twin genetics. And then lo and behold, nine months after she had her twins, I had my twins. Wow. So <laughs> and they're all girls. Um, all, wow. my, mine are all girls. And then her twins are girls. Oh really? Wow! So, wow! That's just, that is so cool. Oh, that is so lovely. Gosh. It's and really what, fun. What is it? Yeah. What is? Are your twins? Are they identical or not? Or? They're fraternal, and they're very different. Oh, they're, I'm sorry. I didn't know that word. Oh, okay. Cool. Oh yeah. Sorry. Fraternal just means that they are not identical. So. Oh okay. And that is, um, I learned after I was pregnant with twins that um, identical twins are more likely to happen. They can happen to anyone, regardless of whether or not you have twins run in your family um i'll give you as much of a biology lesson as i can which is no, this is great yeah <laughs> not uh biologically inclined <laughs> um but so the if you have identical twins then it is one egg that splits into two eggs right um after it is fertilized so that all the genes, all the DNA is the same. Okay. And if you have fraternal twins, then it means there were two eggs and they were each fertilized separately. Oh, wow. Which is why they can look, they just look like siblings that are the same age because, you know, the DNA is sort of all there, but it's all mixed up in different uh, orders, just like brothers and sisters are. Oh, uh, that's really interesting. And that's, and that's what you, <clears throat> excuse me, that is 
the genetic predisposition is is that the female is more likely to um, release two eggs than one. And this is probably way more than you bargained for. <laughs> no, it's great. <laughs> that's great. That's oh, that's really interesting. Gosh. So I didn't know any of that until um, until I was pregnant with twins on my own. And I also know now that after you have twins, you are some crazy percentage more likely to have twins again. So really, wow. No chance I will try to have a fifth child because I do okay. not and a six. Five and six, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, I didn't know that either then. So once you have twins, you're far more likely to have more twins. Ah, that is interesting. Right. So. Gosh. Wow. What was it like when you found... So I actually... I don't, I'm sorry, it's not photography, right? I'm just really interested. Just, it's, no, what, it's fine. Oh, what was it like when you found out you were having twins? It was... I mean, it was really... I was shocked. Uh, my husband was with me for the ultrasound. We went in for that, that first ultrasound and the technician said, well... I see one and I'm thinking, okay. But the way she said it was obvious that there were, there was more to that sentence. And then she said, Oh, and there's another one. And wow. then she said, okay, I'm going to keep looking. And I was like, oh, please don't find any more. Yeah, stop now, stop. <laughs> You're going to just stop looking. So I was, wow. I was shocked. I was very excited. Um, we had, we discussed, we kind of gone back and forth. Do we want to have, three kids do we want to have four um and that made the decision very easy for us because That's true. <laughs> yeah. you know i i think about what would have happened if we'd had three and then gone for number four and gotten four and five because four is a lot but i think five i mean five you have to get like a whole different kind of car i mean that's like that's a whole true. new you know it's it's almost too much to manage so mm, yeah. lots of people do it but i'm not sure that i could do it very gracefully. Wow. Well, it's so cool. I find it so interesting. Um, yeah, super cool. I don't know how I would have. Yeah, when if with I've got just two children, they are a lot to handle. So uh, yeah, I can't imagine. But so super cool. That is super cool. Um, Laura Beth, one of the things um, I had to ask you about when I saw it um, on your site under the heading "Things I'm Good At," you say <laughs> you say reading Harry Potter with accents, which is amazing. <laughs> I've got to ask, can you, can you give us some Harry Potter accents? Can you do oh, it? Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, cool. Let's see. My, I've read all the books out loud to my oldest daughter. And so to make it a little more fun for myself, I did come up with accents for everyone. Probably right. my favorite is Professor McGonagall. Okay. Um, so let me see if I can. You've really put me on the spot. I, I know. Sorry. <laughs> um, oh, Harry. It is a delight to see you today, but I must admit that your behavior lately has been appalling. <laughs> that's great. That's really good. <laughs> cool. That's, oh, gosh. That's really embarrassing. <laughs> no, it's awesome. That's so cool. My, my, coincidentally, my wife is reading the first Harry Potter book to my children at the moment. And, um, yeah, she tries to do accents as well. But, yeah, that, that's a great McGonagall. Oh, it's cool. Did, your, um, did, you, did you like reading them yourself? I think that's I right. actually did not read them until I was in college and I only read the first maybe one or two so I was really for the most part I was reading them all for the first time um, to my daughter so that was really fun to to sort of get to experience yeah the whole thing with her did you actually read every single one with her yeah she she read every single one and I would read to her at bedtime from wherever she was you know she would oh. read some during the day or at school or whenever uh, whenever she had the time to to read and then wherever she was i would i would pick up so oh, that's several great. of them i was actually reading on my own also so that i knew what was going on in the story yeah. i'm sure there are parts that i missed that i need to go back and, and pick up oh it's so good so good i love it so i coincidentally i read my first one at university because we actually i did an english degree and we actually studied the first book on our english degree so, wonderful i know yeah so that is how i got into it i read that because i had to and then i just i was hooked i i loved it um and my oldest daughter now is also they've got the illustrated versions of the first yes. four books yeah and so that's that's great for her because she's got pictures as well as as the full text right. so Yes. Yeah, very cool. Ah, thank you for doing that. I love that. That was great. Right. <laughs> um, so Laura Beth, um, so one of your recent family story awards is in, is incredibly powerful. Um, you know, and it actually had me in tears looking through it. And I asked you before this interview if you're okay to talk about it, and you, you said you were. So um, yeah, can you tell us more about your daughter Alice and, and photographing her journey? Sure. Um, so Alice is one of my five year old twins. 
she is, I call her my bonus baby because she, technically she's the youngest. She was born two minutes after her sister. So I joke that she's the one we weren't expecting since we thought we were yeah. only going to have three children. But um, just, she's just a joy, a delight. She's, um, she's a fantastic kid. And in December of 2020, so it was actually December 1st. Um, it's funny when you asked me how 2020 had gone. It's it kind of feel like we almost made it to the end of that terrible year. And then December 1st, uh, she presented some symptoms um, that I thought were maybe a urinary tract infection. So I took her to the pediatrician thinking it was just going to be a quick in and out visit to get an antibiotic. And it turned out that she um, had a tumor on her kidney, which is uh, called a Wilms tumor. And the local pediatrician... They didn't know what it was at the time. They did some ultrasounds and ended up sending us to the Children's Hospital in Charlottesville, which is about an hour and a half from here. We were admitted to the emergency room where they did lots of further testing and determined that it was a Wilms tumor. And uh, she was taken into surgery. That was on a Tuesday, I believe. She was taken into surgery. It's all sort of a blur, so... My sure. days may not be exactly right, but I believe she was taken into surgery on Thursday um, to remove the the whole kidney and the tumor, which they were able to do successfully. So that was um, great news that that, oh, yeah. that was an easy, successful surgery, all things considered. And then um, we went home a couple of days later and started with uh, she did six doses, six rounds of radiation, and then she did chemotherapy uh, once a week from December until July and um, it was <laughs> it kind of put us through the ringer it was it totally came out of nowhere you know she was completely happy and healthy and showed no signs of anything until that morning of December 1st and even you know even that day she didn't really seem to be be feeling too bad until uh, that afternoon and so everything just sort of happened so fast um, and part of the way that I sort of coped with the whole thing was taking pictures uh, along the way um, that first night when we went to the emergency room I, I took my camera with me and I kind of felt I felt a little embarrassed almost but I thought I will regret not taking this I think more than then I feel a little bit, you know, um, conscientious of yeah, what people sure. think about my having a camera. So um, I, I documented her whole journey. Um, a lot of it was with my phone because we were, you know, in a hospital setting so much and I didn't want to uh, sort of be in the way or I wanted to, you know, uh, let the doctors do what they needed to do and mm -hmm, sure. not be a distraction as much as possible. But, um, but I did, there were, there were many times when I was very intentional about, you know, documenting it, not just on the fly, but trying to really think about how does this moment feel and what am I going to want to remember about this? What do I want her to remember about this? Mm -hmm. um, and the way, the best way I knew to do that was by taking pictures and, um, really when I look back on it it's my, my husband Andrew and I were just talking about looking back on some of the pictures because you know she lost her hair and she she never lost any weight but she and it, it was kind of funny because we had her her twin was kind of like the control in the experiment her, her twin sister Sarah continually gained weight over those you know eight or nine months just uh, like right, yeah. a regular healthy four year old should and Alice just did not gain any weight so and she didn't she didn't grow so it's kind of odd it seemed like um you know you don't notice your children growing so it was almost mm. like watching alice shrink <laughs> when that oh, wasn't really what was happening but yeah um, but but everything was so happened so slowly that we i don't think we really realized how sick she looked in the moment um but now when we look back on the pictures when especially when she didn't have eyebrows and oh. you know it's just it's really, it's kind of hard to look at, but, um, yeah. but I think, I, I don't think I would remember, you know, just 
that sounds kind of gruesome to say that you want to remember how bad it was, but just to see how far she's come now to. Yeah, um, definitely. She's uh, so the, I should go ahead and insert that the happy part of the story is that she is now, um, she's done with chemotherapy. She's um, she had her two month scans post chemotherapy and they looked great. So she's no reason to believe that there's any, you know, any chance of recurrence. Wow. Um, And she's, her hair's coming back. It's adorable. Oh. Um, oh, that's so great. So great to hear. Oh, gosh, I can only, I can't imagine, you know, what, what it must have been like, though, this past year. I just I cannot, cannot imagine. It's, it was definitely very strange. And, and the fact that it was COVID on top of everything made it even weirder. Because I've, I've had people ask, you know, did you get to meet any of the other families at the children's hospital going through the same thing. And I was like, I, did, I didn't meet anybody. We couldn't, you didn't, right, yeah. you know, there wasn't any socializing. Um, I think normally they have like a parent's lounge and there's a, a playroom where kids could play together, but with COVID protocols, you know, as they should be, those things were restricted either one family at a time, or mm. they just didn't have any kind of common areas open at all. So it was very, it felt very lonely um, oh yeah what a time oh Laura but I, honestly I just cannot imagine and that and obviously I don't know you and I, I don't know Alice but that that story award those those images are just so powerful um, yeah and I guess it's just partly I, I understand you wanting to document it as well and how that could have that helped in a way with you I don't know processing it and being around right right uh, there was um, there were so many times when I, I felt totally out of control because I couldn't, you know, I, there was nothing I could do to make her better. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I thought, well, I, there's nothing I can, there's not a, really a way I can help in this moment, um, but I can help, you know, I can document this for the future um, mm-hmm. for her to, to have this as her story that's sort of an illustrated um, version of her story that she can, because I don't, I don't know how much she'll remember. Mm, that's true yeah that's pretty young does she know and obviously this is absolutely inconsequential uh to to the comparison to your daughter to i just wonder if she knows that she's in a an award-winning kind of story you know she does does she know oh she does she does yes she uh she likes seeing pictures of herself um oh that's cool so and i you know I, i tried to also include her sister's in the photos too um, i can't oh, remember yeah. um how many of the ones i included in that in that story had her sisters in it but i tried also to to document them at home and and them sort of processing it there's one i believe that was in the in the story of her waving goodbye and her sisters and my husband on the driveway as she and i were going for one of her inpatient stays um <sighs> but it really i mean it, it it affected all of us. We're still we're still reeling a little bit just from the fallout of kind of not being a, a normal functioning family for several months. Just oh to- sure. Mm. Oh man. Oh honestly, thank well, thank you for talking about it. And it's amazing that um, it's it's looking good. She's looking good now. So that's that's fantastic news. Yes, that's fantastic. Is she at school now? Or? Yes, she's doing preschool um, oh, five days a week. She loves it. She seems to have um, all her energy <laughs> and oh. and some. Uh, oh, so that's great. She's, yeah, she's doing really well. Oh, great, great. That's great. Really good. Great. Oh, um, okay, cool. Let's 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 change um, subjects um, okay. again. But um, uh, one thing I also saw um, that you say on your site, you're, you're, that you're good at writing Instagram captions, which I think, <laughs> I think that's great though, and really interesting and a subject I think a lot of photographers listening would like to know more about really, yeah. So yeah, any tips on writing good captions? What makes a good one, you know, in your opinion? Um, well, I was, I think you mentioned you were an English major, you study English. I was also an, an English major. So I've always loved words and writing and reading mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I like to sort of have fun. Um, my sense of humor is, is a little bit on the leans to the dad joke side. I kind of. Oh, cool. I like that. Like I can appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I make puns or, you know, some, sometimes I just um, study an image and try to think, you know, do I want this caption to be something that's just quick and witty uh, mm-hmm. and or does this require more explanation? Um, at sometimes I feel like my 
Instagram account is, especially with documenting Alice, was almost a bit of a journal sort of uh, writing what the pictures didn't exactly or completely convey. Okay. So um, sometimes I think the caption <laughs> tends to get a little bit long and um, well, that's but. That's good, though, isn't it, really? Because people are really getting an insight into you as a photographer as well, the right. person behind the image. I always love reading other people's thoughts about, you know, why they took a picture a certain way or, or what they were feeling in the moment that that may have happened beforehand that you can't, you can't necessarily know just from what you see in the image that mm. sort of opens up a new level of understanding. Um, mm. But when all else fails, I usually will go to... Uh, I, will Google poem about whatever the topic of the photo is. And I try to find somebody else's words that are written. Oh, cool. Yeah. That I'll makes just pull, pull a line of poetry from uh, Billy Collins is one of my favorites. He was a, um, the U.S. Poet Laureate for a couple different years. Oh, okay. He's, he's a funny, really deep, um, but, but witty poet. So, um, wow, okay. But uh, I don't know what kind of advice I would have uh, beyond just um, Googling the topic or the keyword of your picture and see if somebody else has said something better about <laughs> <laughs> No, but you don't just do that. I, I think, as you say, just writing more about the image and your kind of feelings and your methodology behind it or just your thoughts at the time. I think just I, I don't know. I'm not an expert at all on Instagram captions either, um, but I think they are something that a lot of photographers overlook and um you know just putting something like photo of the day or something it's not gonna right. inspire people to linger on that image or to like it or comment on it and and like it or not that's all part of you know the business side of it is getting exactly. images that yeah people interact with isn't it and so captions are a big deal for all that um, yeah i should probably do more dad jokes on my captions actually. you should for sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny um yeah cool cool let's um let's change tack totally uh laura okay. beth okay so do you watch many movies or netflix or hbo or amazon or anything um i do um we mostly stick to just shorter shows because by the time we get everyone in bed we're we don't have much uh bandwidth for anything longer than about um, 20 or 30 minutes but um yeah, but we do try to to keep up with with netflix or or other shows Okay, cool. So I've been, well, for the past, I don't know, 30 episodes now of the podcast, I don't know, I've just been doing a little game where I'll read out a synopsis, and it might be a series, it might be a movie, and we we can see if you can get what it is. Okay. Okay. I thought, I thought about studying for this, but then I thought, well, how can you study for this? Read the entire Netflix catalog. It's not That's really. That's true. That would be <laughs> <laughs> like about 100 years of study. No, cool. Okay. So I'm going to go with the first one, and it is a movie, and it's quite an old movie. This must be about 25 years old now. Okay. Just a clue. But okay. So the presidencies of Kennedy and Johnson, the Vietnam War, the Watergate scandal, and other historical events unfold from the perspective of an Alabama man with an IQ of 75 whose only desire is to be reunited with his childhood sweetheart. Forrest Gump. Boom, yes, straight in, cool. That's I started great. getting worried at the beginning. I was like, oh, I don't know about, you know, history. Yes. <laughs> Not really, oh, but then, okay, got it. <laughs> that's great isn't it i've only seen it once but a long time ago i did love it me too i, I saw it not long after it came out and i'm sure that i did not because i was probably in like sixth or seventh grade and did not understand half of <laughs> oh yeah oh you you must be quite a bit younger than me then i think i i did oh how old was i when that came out about 15 i think when that came out maybe okay hmm. um but i love tom hanks i just think he's he's great yes Cool. Well, one out of one so far. That is a great start, Laura Beth. Okay. Uh, let's go on to the second one, which is a series. And again, this is old as well. I don't know why I, I, I don't always pick old things, but this just it's jumped out at me. This is actually one of my all time favorite series. But okay. Anyway, this is a lot shorter, this synopsis. Okay. In a rapidly changing world, four teenagers come of age in a small Massachusetts coastal town. Oh. oh. Did I pronounce Massachusetts right, by the way? I did, yes. Oh, good. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is an old, like, mm, like 20 years old again see, uh, series. Is it Dawson's Creek? It is. Nice. Yes. Yeah. That is but really if, good. 
<laughs> it threw me off a little bit with Massachusetts. I never watched that, although I had lots of friends did. But I know that they they filmed it um, off the coast of North Carolina. So ah, right. I thought, hmm, that passes Massachusetts, and I guess it did. <laughs> uh, okay, is that Wilmington? Or is, it, is it Wilmington? Yes, yes, Wilmington, exactly. Yeah, I was a big Dawson's Creek fan. I loved it. I loved it. I'm looking forward to when my uh, kids are a bit older, like uh, you know, early teens. So I'm going to watch right. it with them. I think yes. every episode. I've got them all on DVD. DVDs? Will we still be watching DVDs then? Probably oh, not. But no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that is great. Two out of two. I think that was a really hard one to get actually because that was a really kind of short. It was, it, yeah, it could have gone lots of different ways. Mm, well done. That was really good. So this last one is 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 tougher, I think. This is tougher. Uh, and this is a movie, probably, again, old, probably about 20 years old. Okay. So, tapped for the throne after the death of the emperor, a Roman general instead finds himself condemned to die by the late ruler's power-hungry son. Oh, goodness. Yeah, that is tricky. I think... That synopsis is not a very good one for what the film actually is. It stars, as a clue, it stars Russell Crowe. Is it Gladiator? It is! Boom! Yes! <laughs> I would never have gotten that if you hadn't said Russell Crowe. Well, I wouldn't have got it. Guess. Yeah, I wouldn't have got it either. I think that synopsis is not a good one for what the film it generally is. So, well done. Three out of three. That's Very like, nice. that is super, super good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there are really tricky ones in there as well. Yeah, hats off at you. Uh, hats off. Yeah, cool. Okay, let's go back at something else that I read on your site, Laura Beth. Um, and you say you're bad at ordering at Starbucks. How could you be bad? At, how could you? How could you do that badly? <laughs> I get it. Okay, so I've learned it's wonderful now because I can do the mobile order. So I just tap everything, and I don't, and I can tell it exactly what I want with all my weird specifications without sounding super like picky and. Um, because otherwise, I, my introvertedness gets in the way, and then I get all tongue-tied. And the, uh, okay. the worst example is when I go to order a chai tea latte, nine times out of ten, I will order a tai chi latte, which is <laughs> not at all what I'm trying to say. Something totally different. <laughs> yes, but my brain says, don't say tai chi, don't say tai chi, and then, of course, it comes out tai chi. Um, so I've learned now that I have to just put it in the app ahead of time because otherwise I don't want to say you know I want <laughs> I want this but I want an extra pump of this and if you're and, and heaven forbid they're out of something because then I don't even know how to pivot and I just <laughs> just make something and I'll take it I'll, I'll be happy with it I won't complain so uh, yeah I, I just get the app so is the key. nervous when oh. I try to uh, I panic and that's funny do you yeah. Do you get like that in other kind of situations? Like I don't know, restaurants and menus and things, or is it just Starbucks? Um, if I have a if I have the menu in front of me and I know exactly what I can what I want to order, I'm better with that in a restaurant. But really, anytime like being put on the spot, I, I just I get so tongue tied and it's I end up making a fool of myself. But oh, um, I get that. But well, I'm putting you on the spot frequently in this episode, <laughs> and you're doing brilliantly. Yeah. Oh goodness, well. I would be so scared to talk to well, you know, the, well, interviews. I've done a few in, my pa in the past, and I'm so scared. And you're doing a brilliant job. So yeah. thank you. I <laughs> um, let's let's get. Can you um, can you talk us through what a typical family shoot looks like for you? You know, like maybe you know, right from the the way from maybe if you do any prep work, if you do much of that, I don't know, to how you begin the session itself, what equipment you use, and so on. Just your overall kind of thoughts on how you how approach a typical family shoot. So I try to keep a family session uh, fairly low key. Um, it partially depends on whether or not I know the family ahead of time as to uh, sort of the the vibe going in. Because if I know the people, then you know it's, it's a little bit easier for everyone to warm up around me. Um, because I, I always say, first off, just pretend I'm not here. Just do whatever you would normally do if I were not here. Because I, I want you to. I don't want you to be performing in any way for me or for the camera. Um, and even, you know, even under the best circumstances, it takes, I find that it takes a little bit of time for everyone to just sort of start acting a bit more naturally. But sure. generally kids warm up very quickly. It's the adults that are a little bit more, <laughs> not quite sure what to, what to do with themselves. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I do, I do try to tell my clients ahead of time, you know, please don't, clean your house beyond what you would just, you know, do to tidy up if a neighbor were coming, you know, what, however you want your house to be remembered is 
is the way that I want it to look. I don't, please don't think that I'm going to have any kind of judgment coming in because that's cool. I haven't only noticed the last time my own baseboards were wiped down. Like there's, <laughs> you know, there's no, I'm not coming in to, to make any kind of judgment on your, on your housekeeping mm. or, or your, do you, you know. Do you find that many of your families, do they, do they adhere to that? Or do you arrive there and it's all totally spotless and you can see like a cleaning company's truck outside. Just, <laughs> right. Just, peeling <laughs> out of the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, I think it, it, I have learned that it really just depends on the family. I think there are some families that just keep a tidier house because that's just more important to them. One of my best friends, her house is always, I mean, I can drop in on her at any time. And if she has library books on the counter, she's like, oh dear, let me just, let me just straighten that. I'm like, good gracious. This is, you know, there's nothing to straighten up. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's hard to really know what's normal. For people but but it for the most part i think it's it's easy um it's easy to tell whether people have have shoved everything in a closet before i get there or or not yeah. but um but the other thing is that once if they have kids at all even if things are straight and tidy when i walk in it's not going to stay that way for long if their right, kids are, sure. are just doing their thing so um but and when I, you arrive at a session, do you do you start photographing straight away or do you? Usually kind of, I do. I usually, yeah. um, if nothing else, just to sort of get myself uh, into photographer mode. Um, I try to chat with the family a little bit as I'm shooting just to kind of make things a bit more comfortable and, and less awkward that there's so that because it's sort of a fine line between you want to be professional and to look like you know what you're doing, but you also want them to feel at ease and like they just have a friend or someone they can really trust who's hanging out with them. Yeah, sure. Um, but I, I do try to tell people, um, you know, just like I said, just ignore me, just pretend like I'm not here. Uh, and do you and find most do ignore you or do you get the one, some that still, you can tell that they're kind of like doing things on purpose, you know, and you it must, it's always a bit of that, I guess. Yes, there is there is a bit of that, and it's um, sometimes you'll have a child who's really sort of performing for the camera or just for me, and um, just to try to get a reaction. And I I try to just not take pictures of it to sort of show eh, I'm not really, or I may take a couple. You know, I understand that's a good way of doing it. I think just to sort of you know just show them. Oh, I'm not going to keep taking pictures of that, so there's really no reason to. Yeah, play up for me. Mm. Exactly, exactly. And it, it really works the same way for adults, too, I think, if they're um, yeah, they're trying to coerce their kids into doing something. Um, if I just kind of act like I'm not paying attention to it, then it seems to to help them just sort of settle into whatever would be that, the normal. That makes sense. And I have the same approach, you know, when exactly the same approach when I photograph in weddings. And then sometimes sometimes you have guests that are playing up to the camera. And, right. if, and I'm just, you know, I'm just if I just ignore them, just to put it in a brutal way, right. then they just realize that that's not what they're supposed to do. And they just ignore me then. And that's what exactly. I want them to do. Mm. Exactly. Right. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. And do you have any uh, favorite um, kind of lens? Are you, are you swapping lenses often? Or are you shooting just with one lens? How, how do you work that way? I usually, unless it's... Um, unless it's a really low light situation and I need to have a wider aperture. I'm generally shooting, I shoot on a uh, Fuji X-T3 mirrorless. Uh, cool. um, and then, I, so that's the crop sensor. So I have the um, 18 to 55, which uh, cool. is 2470 equivalent about. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I find that that one works really well for just about any uh, situation. I do have a, um, I think it's an eight, millimeter it's not quite a fisheye but it's it's oh, quite wow. wide um uh, i love uh, zami berkowitz always uses the ultra wide fisheye oh, okay some of his wedding work and he he's really mastered that so i've tried to i've been sort of inspired by him to to go wide sometimes but uh, but it's tricky because it's a it's manual focus so it's it's not great for fast moving. Oh right, that is tricky. Yeah, wow. Yeah, manual focus only. That is difficult. Mm. Yes. So, uh, but so for the most part, I'm using that uh, that zoom, and then I do have um, a 24 prime lens that that goes down to f 1.4 if if it's a really dark situation and I just need more light. But um, 
or if I'm shooting my own family, a lot of times if we're going somewhere that I'm going to have to be carrying my camera and holding children's hands or picking them up and carrying them, and then I'll put that lens on just because it doesn't weigh as much. Oh, right. Yeah, that's all a consideration. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I was going to say, oh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Do you um, often shoot in people's homes or do you often go out? Do you do you kind of suggest to them what they should do or do you just not, not give that kind of suggestion at all? Um, I do. I have found that it, I think it helps people for me to suggest things, but um, I try to caution them, you know, please don't do something just for the sake of the pictures. You know, if you've never, if this isn't what you usually would do, um, mm, I don't sense. want it to look like a, you know, like we're pretending. Um, but, um, but I do give some, some suggestions and uh, I real my favorite, it really is, being in people's homes because those are the photographs I think they're going to be most nostalgic later on because you know even things that just are in the background or you know the the pair of shoes by the door or the backpack you can see lying in the corner all those things don't you don't even really give them a second look now as you live your life but when I personally look back at pictures of myself from when I was a child I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that, you know, that weird piece of art my mom had hanging on that wall or whatever it is that yeah, that's it true. never even really registers to you and you just see it every day. But it can really, I think, um, kind of pull at your heartstrings or just just strike a chord of nostalgia when you look at it later and it, it can just bring back all kinds of memories that's so true you know and you know that's just a huge part that i've not even really thought about much at all because obviously just been i've been thinking about the people and their relationships but you're so right that parts of their home even objects and things that's so important right. to capture as well because of exactly what you just said there yeah that's I, so I love um one thing that i'll do if if the kids are being a little bit too performative or if i just feel like i've sort of gotten all I can of you know whatever board game they're playing or whatever it is if I have any kind of downtime at all I'll kind of just wander around and take pictures of things I find lying around even like the uh, books on their bookshelf or their stuffed animals lying on the pillow of their bed or whatever because you know like I said those things are somewhat um what's the word I'm looking for somewhat uh they don't last forever ephemeral mm. um you know they're temporary um and so true. Uh, I, I just love the idea that somebody will will see something in a picture 30, now, 30 years from now and be like, oh, do you remember when we had that super outdated, you know, DVD player that dad <laughs> watched Dawson's Creek on? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true, though. Isn't it? It's actually quite magic to think that your work is going to be appreciated in such a way like decades down the line really it, it really that's it? one of my main really um things that drives my my passion for this kind of photography is um just sort of freezing these moments in time and not just the moments of the action and the relationships between people but the the environment itself the, the surrounding and um all the things that make up a home and so true that's so cool you've so honestly you've totally opened my eyes to a total other aspect of it that i really hadn't really thought about too i have to be honest i hadn't that that whole physicality that material side is so important yeah i think i don't have i can't think of any photos i have of say like my first family home you know when i was you know three right. five six seven at all actually right yeah it's um i have a few but I mean, it, and it, they just take me right back, even though I haven't been in that house for probably close to 15 years, at least. Right. Yeah. Um, it's almost it's almost like it can even trigger like a smell or, you know. Right. And even yeah. it's it's also interesting to me. Um, I did a session with uh, a lady that I knew who had her two grandchildren were coming to visit. And I thought, man, how special is this for her grandchildren? Because for whatever reason, I think those, the things in your grandmother's or your grandparents' homes really imprint on you, or maybe that's just me, but like I can, the certain, the certain type of drinking glasses that my grandmother used, if I see them, you know, in, in any other context, it immediately just takes me right back to her kitchen. Ah, uh, cool, um, yeah. So I love, I just love the idea of um, sort of attaching a memory to an object that 
other someone else. It would it wouldn't hold any meaning to anyone else necessarily. Um, but mm, but it can to really them, tr- it's trigger yeah. something magical. That's so cool. And you know, it's not. I think it's not just you either about the grandparents thing. Um, so I have, yeah, some things. I, on my grandparents, all of them, um, sadly passed away before I was like five or six, actually. But I do have a memory of um, underneath their kind of like coffee table. They used to stick like you know on apples. You sometimes get little stickers on apples. Uh-huh, I don't know if uh-huh. you're doing, oh, okay. And they they for some reason I don't know what they always used to put the little stickers underneath the coffee table. So yeah, <laughs> I wish I had a photo of that. That would be cool. With that. Yeah, yes, just, just exactly. Mm, that's so true. Oh, Laura Beth, I so enjoy talking to you. I just looked down. It's been um, almost an hour already. It's just been yeah. so fun. You've been so great to talk to. Um, just got time for one more question, if that's okay with you. Sure. Okay, cool. So quite a big one. Um, but yeah, if someone was just thinking of starting out as a documentary family photographer, you know, a whole range of people listen to the podcast. Some people have been doing it for years, but I know some other people are just starting or would just like to start. So yeah, if someone was just starting out um, as a documentary family photographer, what advice or just bits of wisdom or any tips would would you give to them? Um, I would say as much as you can, practice with your own family first Um, and there are for me at least there are challenges specific to my own family because it's difficult for me to be a parent and a photographer at the same time because I end up being doing neither job very well (laughs) Um, but as much as you can um, just to sort of start to putting together the idea of um, getting the moment captured at just the right time and with a composition that makes it something beautiful and with light that might enhance it or or even just uh, tell the story if it doesn't do anything for the aesthetic of the photo. You know, a, an old lamp might just be the way that a, a room looks. And so you have to sort of embrace all those things. But I think um, that the more you can, the more you can practice just with like with anything, uh, the better you'll be before you start going into other people's homes. But then it is certainly important to put yourself in a situation where you're not as familiar with the way that the light might come in through, you know, through the windows of your own house, if you're in someone else's house, to, mm. to sort of challenge yourselves uh, to new situations and new environments. So find a friend that'll let you practice on them. Um, and, and not to be not to shy away from documenting everything. I mean, you know, if there are tears or anger or whatever it is, it's all part of the family story. So it's important to that's to true. Document everything. You know, that's a big reasons. deal, though. Is it? Did you it, did you find that easy? Say, I mean, you must have had family shoots where there's been tantrums and things. Did, when you first started doing it, when it wasn't your own children, did was it? Were you a bit more shy about capturing those moments or asking yes. like, even the family's permission? Um, yeah, how what, how has it happened for you? I do try to prepare families ahead of time. You know, I'll say I'm I'm gonna you know I'm gonna document everything and it's not all gonna be pretty, <laughs> but it yeah. will all be real. So I try to just sort of set that expectation that. Uh, oh, but I think cool. it also gives them a little grace and helps them to know that I'm what I'm doing is documenting it. I'm not sitting there wishing that the kid would stop crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Tears are good for the camera. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, this We're not just, judging them. We're not judging. Exactly. Them. Right. It's just, um, just telling the, the true story of, yeah. of that day. So. Mm. Perfect. Oh, that's uh, Laura Beth. So good. Those are great bits of advice and tips. And the whole episode, it's just been so lovely to talk to you. You've been so open. You've got great stories. Great Harry Potter accent as well. (laughs) (laughs) I know you nailed the Netflix game. It was just uh, awesome. Honestly, so good. Um, And people listening now do head to thisreportagefamily.com or thisreportage.com. I'll include a link through to Laura Beth's site and the very powerful uh, uh, Family Story Awards um, that you won as well. And, And such great news about alice all my best for her um i hope this december you have a a bit of a nicer december than last december i can't imagine what christmas was like last year yes (sighs) it'll be weird to um to sort of relive it already just sort of starting to make plans for the holidays is a little bit odd to think oh well last year it was you know we didn't know what was coming or you know it's it's getting close to that one year mark where it's almost like going through the motions of the holidays again but in a totally different context so it'll it'll be different but i think we have a lot more to be grateful for and perspective for sure 
Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh, but honestly, so lovely talking to you. Um, I I hope uh, I get to meet you in real life. I need to visit other places in America, so I, I'd <laughs> love to meet you. Um, and yeah, just all the best for the rest of the year. Um, just lovely talking to you, Laura Beth. Thank you so much, Alan. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for coming on. It's been lovely talking to you. Yep. Stay well. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. You've been listening to the 93rd episode of the This Is Reportage podcast. Laura Beth was so interesting and fab to talk to. Hope you enjoyed listening. Head to thisreportagefamily.com or thisreportage.com for a link to her website and to see the family story awards you discussed on the episode too. We now have 93 episodes of the podcast available where we speak to wedding and family photographers from all over the world, delve into our back catalogue to hear from the likes of Marisa Martins, Lisa Hu Chen, Else Corston, Pedro Vilela, David Scholes, Sana de Block, Adam Riley, Frank Boutonet, Alison Bounce, Ralu Chase, Alcavan Rulo, Alice Chapman, Adam Johnson, Stephen Hairshaft, and many more too. If you're not a member of this reportage or this reportage family, check out all the benefits of joining us, including an unlimited number of images on your profile, 60 individual award and 18 story award entries per year. Invites to our physical meetups and parties, including our upcoming Christmas party in December 2021. Exclusive discounts, hours of educational videos featuring tips and advice on some of the world's best photographers and much more too. Submissions are closing in just a few days for our final award collections of 2021. The deadline is the same for both our wedding site and our family site. Submit by 2359 GMT on 23rd of November 2021. No poses, nothing staged. This is Reportage, and this is bye for now.